Welcome to Conquering the Seeds of Destruction, bringing help and encouragement to those dealing with real-life issues. To learn more, visit ConqueringSeedsOfDestruction.com. Welcome to Conquering the Seeds of Destruction, and my name is Maureen Y-Smith. Now today, I am going to talk about the Biblical Approach section, so let's just go ahead and get started with the scripture. Now, 1 John chapter 2, verses 21 through 29 says, So I am writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and falsehood. And who is the great liar? The one who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Such people are antichrists, for they have denied the Father and the Son. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who confesses the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will continue to live in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He promised us. I have written these things to you because you need to be aware of those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you all things and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So continue in what he has taught you and continue to live in Christ. And now, dear children, continue to live in fellowship with Christ, so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that God is always right, we also know that all who do what is right are his children. And again, that's 1 John chapter 2, verses 21 through 29. Now, it is important to know what battles to fight for, and the things that you need to stand firm on. But it is more important to know whose side you are going to fight on. The side that you will need to be on is Jesus' side. And any other side than that is not really the right side at all. Choosing to do right may not always be the choice that people will want to make. It usually depends on how much they may want something or how much they want the situation to go in their direction. Having the beliefs to follow God's commandments and live righteous and holy lives will always sound crazy to the carnal mind. Now the carnal mind will want to do things the way the world says to do it versus the way that God says to do it. Many times when people make decisions to do things, even if they are not living their lives as a Christian, they still have been taught the difference between right and wrong or good and evil. God wants you to follow his righteous path of living, and he hopes that you will have the willingness to choose his way instead of the enemy's way or maybe even the world's way. As long as you are being guided into doing what he would like for you to do, life becomes easier to handle because you just don't feel like you are facing situations by yourself. 
If you keep the lines of communication open with God and seek his face daily, you will see that you will be able to understand what your purpose is and how you are to live your life for him moving forward. So let's now look at an example in the Bible with Mordecai and Esther. So I'm going to first start off reading Esther chapter 2 verses 5 through 11. And that says, There was a certain Jew in the capital in Shushan, whose name was Mordecai, son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives taken away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried into exile. He had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The maiden was beautiful and lovely, and when her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So when the king's command and his decree were proclaimed, and when many maidens were gathered in Shushan, the capital under the custody of Hegai, Esther also was taken to the king's house into the custody of Hegai, keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased Hegai and obtained his favor. And he speedily gave her the things for her purification and her portion of food and the seven chosen maids to be given her from the king's palace. And he removed her and her maids to be the best apartment in the harem. Esther had not made known her nationality or her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her not to do so. So Mordecai, who was an attendant in the king's court, walked every day before the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and what would become of her. Now I'm going to drop down to Esther chapter 2 verses 15 through 23. Now when the turn for Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter, had come to go into the king, she required nothing but what Hegai, the king's attendant, the keeper of the women, suggested. And Esther won favor in the sight of all who saw her. So Esther was taken to King Assyrius and to his royal place in the tenth month, the month of Tabeth in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther more than all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the maidens, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king gave a great feast for all his princes and his servants, Esther's feast, and he gave a holiday or a lessening of taxes to the provinces and gave gifts in keeping with the generosity of the king. And when the maidens were gathered together the second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Now Esther had not yet revealed her nationality or her people, for she obeyed Mordecai's command to her to fear God and execute his commands, just as when she was being brought up by him. In those days, while Mordecai sat at the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, Bithan and Teresh, 
of those who guarded the door were angry and sought to lay hands on King Assyrus. And this was known to Mordecai, who told it to Queen Esther. And Esther told the king in Mordecai's name. When it was investigated and found to be true, both men were hanged on the gallows. And it was recorded in the book of Chronicles in the king's presence. Now, as you can see, it was obvious that both Mordecai and Esther had communion with God. Although Esther, who was a young orphan Jewish girl, although her parents had died, Mordecai, who was her older cousin, took care of her as if she was his own daughter. The king was in search for a new queen. Now, Esther was the one who was chosen and became influential in doing the will of God. Mordecai was also influential in saving the lives of Esther and the king. Now, although their lives started out in humble beginnings, God would eventually take them both to a higher level. Now, when things take place in your life, it becomes necessary to put the time in with God and spend quality time with him. He begins to search your heart, and as time goes on, you will start to actually see things move in your life. Let's now take this to a different direction. What happens if things don't get better for you? What happens to you when you try to wait on God to move and nothing just seems to be happening? Usually what can happen is that you may not have the patience to wait and you start to do things on your own accord. Now the goal is to make sure you do things the right way. Now let me just say, your right way and God's right way may be different. So it becomes necessary to make sure you are following the path of God. Now, how do you handle situations with people that have done things to you, whether they've caused extreme hurt and pain to you? Now, sometimes that can become challenging for you, especially if you want them to experience some type of justice and maybe even suffer for the wrong that they had done to you, or maybe even someone that's been close to you that they did something to. You may have tried to walk away, or you have avoided conversations with them, or you may have even just tried to get over it, but for some reason, you just can't seem to let it go. In reality, you want them to show remorse or regret or even sincere apologies for the hurt that they cause. And when they don't say anything, nor do they even think that they have done something wrong to you, it becomes very hard to handle. Even when you thought that you could stay silent, they may have said something that sent you over the edge and you said to yourself, enough is enough. And you have now hit your breaking point. When things get to that level, you must make a major decision, hopefully one that is pleasing to God. Now, in chapter three, when the enemy planted the seed of anger in you, and if you continue to listen to him, you allowed, of course, the roots of complaining and negativism and blame to occur. Now, at the end of the chapter, you were taught about God's seed of survival, which is the seed of peace. Now, it is said that sometimes it's hard to just get over things easily, 
But it does require you to really learn how to uproot that the enemy's path of destruction that has taken place, especially as he's trying to keep you operating in it. Now, as more things happen to you, you are able to maintain a peaceful composure in the beginning. However, there does come a time that sometimes you just can't seem to shake a situation. You have tried, you have cried, you have prayed on it, and you are still enraged about it. The enemy is getting excited because he sees you ignoring God's teachings and not operating in the seed of peace. As time goes on, the enemy sees your actions and responses. So he begins to take the seed of anger and all of its roots, and he tries to intertwine it with a new seed that he is trying to create and develop into you. This seed is much stronger than the seed of anger, and it really is actually the sister to it you will see that it will have such a stronghold on you that it becomes even more challenging to uproot it. If you continue to follow the path of the enemy and allow more destructive behaviors to form, this new mutated seed will form. And it will be just so powerful and it's going to really be hard for you to destroy. This new seed that the enemy plants into you is going to be called the seed of bitterness. Now, I know that bitterness can sometimes cause people to stay stuck in that hurt and in that pain that they feel, and they don't know how to get out of it. So I'm going to really spend some time in trying to really deal with the seed of bitterness. So I'm going to ask that you please come back and see how things unfold and what God will do in our lives as we are conquering the seeds of destruction. Take care and stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye. Public author and speaker Maureen Y. Smith brings help and encouragement to deal with real life issues, giving you permission to live the life of abundance that God wants you to live, allowing peace, joy, and freedom to reign in your life. To book Maureen at your next event or small group, email conqueringseedsofdestruction at gmail.com. And to follow Maureen along in this radio journey, purchase your discounted copy of Conquering the Seeds of Destruction book and workbook at conqueringseedsofdestruction.com. That's conqueringseedsofdestruction.com.